Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is up, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning into another midweek uh, special edition episode, if you will, of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, and of course, right alongside former Sooner himself, 2000 national champion, Mr. Damian Mackey. DMAC dropping in on a uh, a special one tonight because we're going to go over a few things. We got uh, some stuff on the docket to hit real quick. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing well, brother. Uh, today was a cool day, right? We had a lot of interesting things happening today. Before we jump into the, the conversation, I just want to quickly say, guys, I think four days ago, I had like 40 followers on Twitter. And Barry, you'll laugh at this, but like I literally didn't know how to do it. Like I was like... <laughs> I didn't really understand like That's how so true. You know, to stand on a navigate your world, but I have over 550 followers now. So salute to you guys. Thank you guys so much. Do me the favor and use that same energy to share. And what's it called? Retweet? We need to retweet, retweet. the Mac show. We need to get the Barry and Mac show, guys. We're on the campaign to a thousand followers uh, and we need to get it done. We need to get it done. So I just want to say thank you guys. Literally like 450 followers in two and a half days. Uh, I'm going to be I'm going to uh, I'm going to whore myself out on Twitter for the next month. I actually have a lot of fun doing it. It's actually uh, I feel like an old man or something because it's like, oh, OK, this is cool. So. Appreciate you guys, but let's get to the conversation of today, B. I'm going to go ahead and shut up and let you let everybody know what's going on. For sure, man. So OU, special announcement today. Uh, we're, we're dropping this thing literally real time. We heard some rumors a few weeks back. Nothing came of it, but today, University of Oklahoma Athletic Department announces alternate jerseys going to be worn in the Kansas game this week. Uh, kind of a special thing, and then I want to get your thoughts, Mac. They're doing it in, on, in honor of Prentice Gott. Um, he was the first black scholarship player at the University of Oklahoma, uh, played for Bud Wilkinson in, in the old Big 8, uh, two-time all Big 8 player, you know, legend in his own right, you know, had involvement with Oklahoma in the Big 12 uh, later on. Just initially, uh, kind of on the tribute side uh, to Prentice, you know, what are your thoughts as a guy who also wore the crimson and cream? Yeah, big deal to me. It's a big deal to me. Um, you know, obviously the academic center is called the Prince Scott Center, right? And so as a Sooner going in and doing our initial orientation, his pictures up, the one with the books, the one with him with the football, and just to see what he represented. Um, obviously, Oklahoma made that a competitive advantage for them in, in, in a time, in a place where, you know, African-Americans weren't, right, kind of readily available for the, the, the conference. Of course, we 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 went ahead and 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 uh, set that trend, and you know it helped us catapult us to where we are, uh, you know, in the seventies and eighties, and so on and so forth. But man, it, it's a big deal. I, I love the fact that you know the university is uh, aware enough to you know represent something like that and acknowledge something like that. Uh, what he did uh, for the school, and I would even say for the conference, um, you know, it made it possible for people like me to also be an alumnus of the University of Oklahoma. 
So the the jerseys themselves, um, the tribute to Prentice Scott, but the student athletes at OU had heavy involvement. Uh, Caleb Kelly uh, played an integral role. He's a guy highly respected at Oklahoma, part of the Soul Mission, and that they wanted the jerseys uh, to say unity. Uh, they also wanted other words like together, which was sewn on the collar. Uh, you'll find unity on the back. And then they also kind of honoring the uh, the the teams of the 50s. They got the triple uh, stripe on the sleeve and they, they are going to be anthracite. Remember that <laughs> that showed up in the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, but just on the look, man, me personally, I think. They, and I said this on Twitter today. I think they might be the the cleanest helmet on, on an alternate jersey that I've seen that doesn't that that isn't basically the same traditional design. Something that's a little bit of a new take, right? It, everybody kind of likes the traditional stuff with maybe a slight tweak here or there. But for something to be as different in the color scheme, Man, I, I think it looks really good. I, I don't have any gripes. How about you? Uh, it doesn't look the best. And again, I'm going to use a bad example here, but we gotta we gotta keep it a buck. When Oregon did the chrome, uh, chrome on chrome, and it was like 15 years ago when they had the Anthony Thomas and those guys, and they put the O right there for the very first time. No one had ever seen or done chrome. Ugh. That 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 was like okay. Alternate uniforms are cool, uh, but I, I think they did a good job. But I think they were aware of the tradition of the school. They didn't do something just uh, you know just outlandish. It looks good. We better play good. In them. It looks good. I, I I don't have any huge issues. I guess we'll kind of touch on that a bit. But uh, the 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 chrome on chrome. That uh, go look at the bowl uniform, the Anthony Thomas's last year at Oregon. Oh yeah, I'm just telling you, I, it, it it was a game changer. And people have gone Chrome since then, but they did it when it was it was it was not a thing. No one had ever done it before, and it went really well with the green. They they they, they did it right. They definitely did it right. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the color scheme. I, I know a lot of people, you know, have different opinions, but yeah, you know, I kind of like the the darker colors. I think they, you can't really go with anything else other than like a, a gray or a black tone or anthracite, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't really go with anything else. So I thought they did a good job. The, the players obviously liked it. This seemed like something that had to get player approval. It, it had to go through the group that was, you know, coordinated uh, to make this thing all possible. And, you know, like you mentioned, anything is probably a welcome site for, for change if it means that they're going to play a little bit better this Saturday, uh, which – Leads us into a few things I, I do want to touch on. Uh, well, but first, do you have anything else on, on the uniforms and anything you want to kind of touch uh, on as a player? Yeah, I'll say this. Um, so I got wind of the tribute uniform when I went to the scrimmage. And an interesting thing happened. Two things happened. Number one, they were like, yo, we're going to drop this tribute uniform. In fact, they told us it was going to be Prince Scott then and there, which I thought was pretty which was pretty neat. Uh, but they said, that, you know, keep it under wraps. And so it was something. How long ago did I tell you that it was going to be a Prince Scott tribute? How, do you remember how long ago that was? Might have been around K-State. 
Okay. Some, might have been around there. It, it, yeah. Huh. Ma- okay. Well, ma- maybe earlier. Man, every week is like a blur right now. So, <laughs> so well, it could, golly, it could have been first. Game. Who knows? Who knows? It was somewhere around there. This. Here's the part that I was like, you, you son of a guns. So they told us two things. They told us it was Prince God. They told us it was player led. All that stuff was, they told us we had them. They had them in August. They had them. Um, but what they also said is we won't do the blacker whatever that word is, black mat or that word that I can't say, right? Anthracite or whatever the hell <laughs> Anthracite. Yeah, there you go. So here I am, right? Like bet. They're gonna, you know, I, like I said, I thought they were going to do like, you know, remember back in the like 30s when like all game pants were khaki. You know what I'm saying? Like they every everybody wore tan pants with whatever color sweater they had. You know what I'm saying? Like I, don't, I thought we might do something of that nature or white pants. But uh, I was convinced. I mean, Castiglione's there. Uh, obviously, Coach V's there. You know, uh, I talked to the the Greg Tipton's there. Like all the guys are there, and they're like, "We won't," you know. But I thought it was pretty neat that they essentially left it in the hands of the players. And so here's what I know. As a guy playing on that team, they're going to be excited about putting that uniform on on Saturday, which I think is a good thing. I think Dion uh, Prime said it best. You look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good. So hopefully that'll be an added oomph to the guys on Saturday. Now, there's the regime that says we're Oklahoma. We're Oklahoma. But let me tell you something. Oklahoma's changed their uniforms a million times. Go look at the 95 uniforms. You'd be surprised how much different the 95 uniforms look. The Oklahoma looks different. They got stripes on the sleeve, like like NFL stripes, three thin stripes. And it's only one year, right? I think it's Snelly's year is, is the year I actually think they did it. But it's not like we haven't changed our uniforms. My freshman year, the away uniform said Oklahoma. They now say Sooners. They switched that my my uh, redshirt 99 season. Um, so, you know, us paying tribute for a cause that we all think is worthy. Uh, I think the kids want access to that black or that darker smoke, whatever you want to call it, theme. What Anthracite. Yeah, you see it. You notice I didn't see You notice I said <laughs> <laughs> what matters is that it better be an added punch for them playing well. What I don't want to see is guys putting their head down. We talked about on the pod fainting. I don't want to see nobody fainting with this uniform on. I don't want to see, you know, people making excuses, guys, dang it. We're playing KU, right? And um, from all I'm hearing, we've got a good game plan. They, the, the court, their quarterback is out. So they're going to be dealing with some of the same issues we had. Obviously, they've got the backup who we played last year. But B, I think. This is a plus. I, it's definitely going to be something that the recruits that are in town are going to see and be like, "Ooh, this is pretty cool." I hope, and and I am going to make the claim to Castiglione and the rest of the crew, like Coach, you know, uh, you know, Joe. Can we do this once a year? Can there be a once a year campaign where I don't, I don't mind player led, and I think the oldies, Barry, I think the oldies will be okay if they know, okay, once a year, the the pups will have a a, a, a youth inspired uniform, whether it be a home game or an away game. I think that's something the university could get behind. I think that's something the Sooner Nation could get behind. In fact, guys, if that's something you think uh, would be a neat thing for the program to do, go on Twitter and post it on, on Barry and Max show. Right. Go on Twitter and post it on my, my, my personal Twitter, or post it on Barry's personal Twitter. I actually want to hear it because those are conversations that I can have with the program. But I think it would be neat. And Barry, I want to hear your, your actual thoughts on that as well. How neat would it be if we knew once a year a player inspired 
uh, jersey combination would be played in a particular home game, or maybe even it's just always homecoming. That would be pretty dope. I think that's something that recruits would love, the families would love, the players would feel empowered, which I think is an important thing. And then I think the traditionalists could say, okay, once a year, I know that they're going to do their, you know, glitter and whatever. They're going to, you know, daffodils and, and rainbows, as I like to say. Uh, and I think they would even get behind that. What's your thoughts? I think so too. You know, all traditions start somewhere. And I think that's the the gripe that people have is whenever you have a change to a uniform, it doesn't feel like a tradition thing. It feels like a like a corporate monetization, you know, type deal where, you know, it's it's name the brand who's involved with the university, getting in there to try and sell more apparel, sell more merch. They don't like the different take on the on the older traditional uniform itself. So I think anything that's that's player focused, you're going to have uh, less pushback. But then, you know, for me, kind of thinking at it from another side for recruiting, you know, how cool is it to be able to tell recruits, you know, you come here, uh, you play an integral role with, with the program, you know, you can be involved in something like this, right? As, as a student athlete, you know, we want to empower you and give you the ability to have say so in your university, in your program, um, in, in your football team, what you wear during the game i think that's that's a powerful message that you're sending to the players that is it's not you know faux player friendly it's not faux family it is it's real authenticity it's telling them that we care about your opinion we care about what you have to say and we care about it so much that we're willing to to sport it you know my biggest question is if the sooners go out and they kick some butt in these uniforms how quickly can they get an away version made? (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the next question down the line. Uh, But yeah, man, I, I like them a lot. I I think it's a, it's a cool look. And the fact you involve the players uh, makes an entirely different thing. And and maybe that was what the, the rough riders push back, you know, when they initially did it, maybe you went away from the traditional look, but it it just felt a little forced. Like here's this combination of stuff we're going to have. Like nobody really had a gripe with, you know, what the guys wore in 03 against North Texas. I mean, granted that team could have come out there in, in pantyhose socks and a apron and still like beat their ass. But it was, um, it, the, the look was, it, it was tough. It was gritty. And I, I think this one has that same, that same feel. And again, the players are involved. Well, and, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see because the whites, what they were Landry. Is that on nine when Landry Jones wears it? At no, tech? the, Oh, oh uh, I, I actually wasn't as big of a fan. I liked the ones in Oh three. So, so the ones that Jay, Jay white. And, understood. Oh, I understand. Yeah. That's my favorite one. That's yeah. my favorite one. But the ones, I think it's the Landry Jones, the white on whites on white. Those, those we can't, we cannot discount those. Number one is for sure. Oh, three bar none. The only thing oh three is missing is a different game pan. They wore their typical game pan. They needed to be wearing the thin stripes or even no stripe with an OU on the hip. That would have been even sicker. But oh threes is amazing. But oh nine looks good. We cannot discount oh nines with the white hat with the stripe. Oh, with the gray mask. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. That one. That one was all about the team. 
<laughs> yeah, we got some, we got smoke that day, bro. And that's why, it's, you know, you, you made me laugh because I'm like, you're right. What if we win? Like, we got, do we have a white jersey or is it white? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what does it look like? What does it, I want to know. So, what color cleats are on this I, one? Did you see oh, that? Black? If they were white. That's going to be disgusting. Oh my God. It's going to be black, right? Black or red? I think red will look sick. Oh my gosh. If they wear white cleats, every player who get who wears white cleats, I'm gonna DM them like, bro, you look trash. I'm just gonna tell them in the, on, on social media, like, bro, I just wanna let you know. Linemen get a pass. But skill guys, oh, I'm going for their oh man, you wear white cleats with that? You're wildin'. Just FYI. That was one of the meanest looks. Adrian Peterson in two thousand and four against Texas with the black cleats and the in the red. The red on white as one of the meanest looks. There are some photographs from that game that are just man, borderline iconic, if not iconic themselves. So, man, there's a little bit going on. What would like to touch on uh, first, right off the top, some rumors came out today of some position changes. And it looks like a specific secondary player who's worn number nine, uh, Mr. DJ Graham. Maybe making the switch over to offense. You know, DMAC, you were around when Wolfolk made the switch from offense to defense, right? Going from 2000 to 2001, uh, where he made that shift. I believe that was the year. I think it was 2000 to 01. It might have been later, but in 01, he was still playing both ways for a yes. little bit, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's right. And then O2 full switch. He had that pick in the Texas game. That was just insane. So, so you've seen that process carry out. What did those conversations look like and how far back does this thing probably go? Well, a couple of things attributed to that. Obviously, number one is, uh, I mean, we've got an all American in the making in Michael Thompson who has a serious crash and uh, you know, those teams in those early 2000 teams, we hadn't stacked back to back to back classes with uh, the, the top shelf talent yet. And so we were stacked at receiver. I mean, Antoine came in and was a hit. Mark Clayton comes in and is a hit. Brandon Jones comes in and is a hit. Right. So like three out of our seven or eight receivers um, are all hits, meaning contributors and or studs. I think Mark's probably the second best receiver to ever come to the university. Um, and then we were we were already we were all underclassmen. Right. So I'm an underclass. Well, I get hurt. But still, you got me coming back, Kurt coming back, uh, Ray coming back, Savo coming back. I mean, these guys, you know, we we have a lot of depth on offense. Well, on defense, D straight's a hit, but we had some misses. We had a couple of JUCO guys come in, um, and they they didn't really. By the way, that's not T Joke. Everybody wants to make fun of Joke. It's not the Joke is like two years after us. But um, you know, I'm not not going to necessarily say say the guys, but a kid from Fresno, a kid from Miami. Actually, we had like the number one JUCO in America come in. I think his name was uh, T T Sims. I want to say his name was T Sims. Yeah, T Sims from Florida. They just didn't. We didn't have the depth. And we knew we had an all-time great defense um, with Roy coming back, Rocky coming back, and then obviously Teddy stepping up and, and some of the younger pups really, you know, matriculating. And then, of course, Book, when Brandon Average comes and solidifies that safety position when when uh, JT leaves, the defense is really top shelf, and we had a weak link. And oh, what, 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 what it was, it wasn't a weak link. It was, a, it was Perk wasn't ready yet. 
Perk was still 168 uh, pounds. Yeah. He could run, he could jump, but you put Perk on an island to guard, you know, a 6'3", 215 pound receiver, or they block down and everybody else crack on the safety and Perk's got to, you know, pick up the, the 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 power or the sweep coming off the edge it was it was a bit much for him and so we were able to move perk to play high safety and really help out as a center fielder and then dre at that dre's 200 pounds man and long and obviously he was the most athletic guy on the team dre's the best athlete on, on the team all the guys we played with he was the best athlete. I mean, he broke uh, NFL records at the combine and what some of the stuff he was able to do in the agility drills was ridiculous. So it was a smart move. Uh, and then the other thing, I guess, here's a funny thing, B. We used to make fun of Dre. God, I got to get Dre on the pod. We used to make fun of Dre because we all of us were like ex, you know, like I was a, I had a California record for punt returns. Curtis Fagan is like an after the catch guy. You know, Savo is more of a intermediate. He's more like a Mims where he's going to catch it at 15 and 20, but Savage know how to get, he know how to get to the end zone. And of course you got Mark Clayton, who's probably the best after the catch guy. We had him in CD or like one, a one B. And then Dre's the guy who every time he catches a ball, he finds somebody to hit him. Like we'd be, <laughs> we'd be in film. We're like, blood, how did you get tackled by a D tackle on a on a curl? <laughs> that is a D tackle. Tackle you on a curl route. Like Dre was just, he was a DB. He really was. And, you know, obviously when the transition happened between uh, Blake and Stoops, you know, there were seven scholarship DBs and two scholarship receivers, which is why me, Kurt and Dre all made the switch. So made sense for him and kudos to him. First round draft pick. You know, he made millions of dollars for he and his family. He had an opportunity to play on Sundays. Fortunately, he got sick or excuse me, he got injured his second season. And that obviously, you know, slowed down his career. Yeah. Yeah. Tough, tough situation when it whenever you have so much potential, especially the kind of athlete, you know, he was that, that people got to see. Um, and I think that's a little bit in the same vein of, of, of DJ Graham. I mean, he's been a, a stud for the Sooners in t- at times, right? He has that elite level pick against Nebraska. He had j- just some freakish plays, but you know, there's been some consistency there that that you maybe want to see some physicality that that Coach Venables you know wants to hold his defensive backs to. I mean, fans can see it. They've seen the kind of guys he's had play defensive back in his defense, right? They're all good tacklers on the edge. They all they all can play physical, but still run with people. So, what, what do you what do you see this turning in for him on the offense? Does he just go over there and create depth, or do you think that there is a there's a window for him to actually make an impact, maybe even this year? You know, it's interesting. I think there's a couple things working together, uh, Barry. Number one, when you get a new staff, right? They're always looking to maximize what they have. And what I think coach is starting to do, and I think the Sooner Nation needs to pay close attention, is say, when I came in, I kind of had to work with what I got. Now that I've been around going on, it'll, you know, it'll be 12 months here pretty soon. He has more intentional ideas and a vision for where he wants the program to go. I, I don't mean this as an indictment, and I don't know this, but it seems to me based upon um film and 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 you know the game day performance that he's not the physical type of corner that coach v wants as his corner 
And and I think that it, it speaks to a, a kid like Jaden Davis, who although might be a little t- a little more limited in terms of athletic ability and length, he actually is pretty um, physical on the edge. He's actually tackled well this season, and so I think it's a position where. I believe Graham's a program kid. I actually met him. Sharp kid, nice kid, obviously a longer kid, obviously a one-handed catch, so we know he can catch the ball. Um, and I, I'm i going to say it, I anticipate some turnover, right? So what, what mm-hmm. I feel like Coach V is doing is positioning his chess pieces and saying, you know, I don't, I can't read the receiver room, but I feel like there's been some underperforming, especially by some of the upperclassmen, some of the guys they were expecting or hoping to take the next step. Maybe they haven't made that step yet, but you can put a guy like Graham in there who I think is a program guy and know, okay, this switch is one. Obviously he was a really good receiver in high school too. I mean, he, he won like MVP of some of the, uh, the high school camps that he was a part of, but three, he's a guy who can be a nucleus player and who knows, right? I think this season, it probably lets him know he's I don't think he's going to be a focal point this season, but he gets to start now. He gets to be in that room. He gets to be in that environment. I think he gets to thwart some of the negative energy that's potentially in there. I don't know anything. I'm not saying I've got some insider info, but I can assume there might be some negative energy in that room, especially with an interim coach because Coach Gundy's not here. Right. So I, I think there's a plus there. And I think the kid has potential. A six, what is he? Six one and a half, six two. He's a six one yeah. and a half kid with very long arms who has, you know, a background of playing the position in his past. It's a win win, right? We're gonna, we can expect, we should expect some turnover after this season. BV playing with link players, seeing which pieces are going to work, seeing which pieces are going to compromise, and then seeing which pieces pieces are toxic. We talked about the, the two forms of cancer. Um, and as that reveal itself, you know, you don't want to be losing 40 guys, 30 guys. If you can put a guy in a position where he can be a plus player for you down the road, you do. And I think this is him sending a message to that room. I really do. I think this is him sending a message to the DBs too, saying, listen, guys, I need you. Number one, I need you to tackle and be physical on that edge. And then, of course, I think it it it, it rewards a program guy with an opportunity to have a second chance in a position where he could be successful. I think that second part is is really important. I think what you do immediately in that room is, you know, one, you, you kind of up, upgrade the 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 more upper class leadership in that room, right? I think you add a guy with experience in the program, a guy who can, you know, maybe not be a leader, but certainly be be a voice. And it's more impactful of a voice when that guy is someone who can go make plays, right? When that's someone who, you know, can go out there and and have some highlight, you know, plays on the field. And also someone who you know, gives them a little bit of a spark, man. He has some athleticism to him that, you know, we've seen it with Farouk with some of the stuff they ran against Texas. Everybody knows that that Mims can get out there, but we haven't really seen it with the young guys yet. You know, the, the some of the stuff to to Stoops as much as he's been a really solid player to that program. That's just not what's going to be the the most beneficial for the offense if they want to be as explosive as they want to be 
right? They want to be vertical. They want to get up and down the field. And you add a guy like DJ with such a pretty stellar, you know, catch radius. If he's six foot, he plays like he's six, four, right? Just good wingspan. Um, I'm sure if not knowing his vertical, I'm sure it's in the 35, 40 range, right? It's, I, I guarantee you it's right on the cusp. He'll probably go to the combine. If he does get an invite, you know, just from being an athlete like that or at OU's pro day, he'll probably, you know, have some freakish numbers. So I think it's a good move. I, I think it's something that could, could give the offense a spark, which I think they need. And another weapon for DG, you know, pending that he, uh, gets the pending that he gets back and the offense can get his footing and that Graham is able to pick it up and, you know, and, and get involved early. Uh, the last thing I wanted to hit on today was, you know, there's a handful of rumors. OU's going to have some visitors, you know, at this game. Everybody wants to know about recruiting. And, guys, we got some more recruiting stuff we're going to be hitting very soon. A lot of big announcements coming up. But – there's been some rumors, uh, some swirling thoughts on can OU hold this, what right now is an elite class of recruits for 2023. You got a quarterback in there. You got some defensive guys that you just haven't seen. You know, you've, you've got some offensive talent. How concerned, you know, just with the win loss column and the way things have looked with, with fans watching at home and in the, in the stadium? What should the concern level be right now when it comes to whether or not OU is going to be able to close this thing in December? You know, I, I think that's an interesting dynamic. I was talking to Jay Hunt, who's alumni. We played together. Son plays at Arkansas. And and they're, they just had a three-game losing streak as well, I believe. I think they just lost three in a row as well. Uh, and, you know, he was talking about bowl games. And I said, bro, how long has it been since we haven't had a bowl game? And he was like 23 years. Jay's a really he's, – he's, he's a football almanac. And so I say that to say uh, we have been spoiled for the last – the better part of 25 years or 23 years. Let me not say 25 because the two prior weren't that good. But we've been spoiled for the better part of 23 years and consistently having, you know, essentially 10-win seasons. Right, a bad season is anything less than ten wins. Like yeah. historically bad, the last twenty-three years, and so we haven't had this side of the recruiting uh, sword. Whereas you look at a Texas who last year went five and seven, and we're like, oh man, you know, you know, they're they're the redhead stepchild. They're the you know whatever you want to call them. Well, they they actually had a higher rated recruiting class than us, and what this side of the coin. Uh, allows a coach and a program to do, especially in a year where there's a transition and you're turning over a program, is to say, hey, son, there's an opportunity for you to come in and start. Right. So what the families are looking for, what the players are looking for is an environment that looks conducive to winning tomorrow. Right. Losing the way we lost doesn't help us, especially with a kid like Vasek, who's a, a legacy of UT. And obviously he was there at the game with his parents and who knows how they felt. But it's not as bad as we feel it is. 
right? As Sooner fans, this is alien to us. As Sooner fans, this is something that we are experiencing for the first time. So we are extra emotional. But as football coaches and within that program, there is another way to sell this. Now, I'm not saying that to say every every kid on the team is going to stick. I told you guys last week I'd be willing to bet one to three will switch sides. But I got to tell you, if I'm the Evans kid coming in, and I'm like, okay, they've got they've got Mims who looks like he's a guy, but he's probably going to the league. Man, the Farouk kid looks kind of cool, but like, who else do they got? It's still the University of Oklahoma. They put back to back Heisman Trophy winners in the league. You know, they've got you know a, a ton of receivers over the last 10, 12 years who were you know uh, Blitnikoff winners and or first rounders and or guys playing well on Sundays. The opportunity's there for me. Like he's definitely rationalizing that conversation in a way that we as Sooners are saying, oh, my God, this guy is falling. We suck. He's not looking at it that way because next year he thinks he's going to make them not suck. Right. So, yeah, it's one where what we need are dubs. Here's the two things we need. We need enough wins to go bowling, which means we need this win on Saturday. You know, the thing that's kind of scary is I said this on 10 Thoughts, and I was obviously in an emotional space at that point, Barry. We still have the talent to win if we get our mind right. We are clearly in a place where mentally we are, you know, incapacitated or whatever, right? We can get on a hot streak and beat the T the techs of the world and the case the Kansases of the world and even the Baylors and OSUs. We can beat them without without question. We just have to get our mind right. But the recruits want to see us stay competitive. And the recruits want to see the team show progress. So that means some puppies have to make plays. That means some encouragement has to come from some of the guys in the last class, right? We need to see a candidate come up and be become a player. We need to see some of those young guards come in and move some people. We need to hear a couple of announcers say, man, you know what? They're going with the youth movement and those young guys are making plays. That's going to further confirm for those recruits that are sitting in the class. I think they just updated it. We're like composite. We have the number three class in America. Yep. Yeah. And so marketing is going to be very important. And obviously, you know, the coaches are in those offices working overnight or overtime, you know, burning the midnight oil because they know how important it is to win these games. Let me just say this. Three and nine, we're in trouble. We go bowling and some puppies make some plays and have an impact and some creative marketing happenings happens where, you know, we have a campaign where one of those guys is up for a freshman All-American or up for an honorable mention all-conference because the second half of the season they have an impact. Oh, the, the recruiters or the recruits are, and their families are going to feel good about this narrative. Coach V had to get the cancer from Coach Link's uh, bullshit out of the program. That's what we can sell uh, so long as we get some wins and, and, again, the puppies get some notoriety. Man, and just to add a little bit of context, you know, look, I went back and just looked at some old articles, some headlines of some of what they were feeling in Georgia when Kirby Smart came there. You know, obviously what Alabama went through. Um, what Florida went through for a time. People forget Florida. They went through that Ron Zook era uh, before Meyer took over. And it was it was the, not a good look for them. And it takes time. So Georgia is is an interesting example. When when Smart got there, you know, they obviously being in the SEC had some guys, but they weren't, they had no 
five-star, you know, this defense that we now know is just full of studs. They did not have that when they arrived. So what did they sell? He sold what he did at Alabama. And since he's been gone, Alabama has not had the same defense year to year as they had under Kirby Smart. I, I think Clemson will probably have some of the same, right? So, so they're still at the point where they're able to sell the future. Now, if this is happening in year two, year three, you get to year four, you know, by then changes will have been made, you know, that there's different directions the program would probably want to go. But right now you're still selling on hope. I, I love the idea of your your you're recruiting for tomorrow's wins, right? You're you're talking about, you know, not necessarily playing for the future because there's games in front of them right now, but you are trying to lay a foundation for seasons that are up to Oklahoma's standards. And to do that, you've got to have talented players, but talented players who are the right fit for your culture, right? When you take over anywhere mm -hmm. you know, as a leader or whatever the case may be, there's always pieces that you've got to change that just, even though they may be talented, may be good, they just don't, don't mesh. And you've got to be able to filter that out. Um, and then I think OU is in the process of doing that. It just comes with, you know, probably a little more heartache for those watching at home uh, to than, than they would have liked to have had this year. But, you know, you know, the players also have to feel a certain type of way. They're the ones working every day, trying to trying to make this thing work, trying to get this ship right. And, and, and you know, they want to go out there and win. They want to compete, too. They don't want to be you know, looked at as the, the coaches or recruiting guys to come there and take their job. They, they, want, they don't want to go out there and be awful. They don't want to showcase what they showed last Saturday. So, so we want to see them play well, man. But also got to hold this recruiting class together, especially the quarterback position. That's my thought. If they're able to keep the quarterback position solid, I think this recruiting class finishes about where they are now. If that changes, who knows? But you know, outside looking in, it seems pretty solid. Um, DMAC, anything else you want to hit real quick before we get out of here, man? Nah, man, good stuff. Uh, I, I agree with you 100%. It's the quarterback and those two bookend DNs. Those are DNs we haven't had here in who knows how long. And so we get we get Vasek and PJ to stick around. We keep JA in the fold. We got a couple uh, receivers that can really stretch the field. Uh, you mix in Petaway and Evans with a Farouk, who I think is going to have a Mark Clayton type impact with the ball in his hands. Mm. We're, we're going to have some some studs, and then obviously, you know, uh, with the old line, we got to get that seasoning together. I, it's just crazy to me that you know Coach B was such a physical coach his first three, four, five years, and it seems like our guys don't finish blocks. They don't play with aggression. They don't have that edge that we saw culminate at 18. 18, essentially all five of the starters had edge. Like They they were all dirty dogs, and we've got to find that seasoning again. And listen, uh, it's a new regime. You know, Coach B, we, we love what you did in 18, but it's 22 going on 23. That's a full recruiting class. Uh, we, we'll probably talk about this another day, but his recruiting numbers the last five years, I think you sent it to me offline. It's not good. We're talking about whole classes misses or the kids all transferred out or they've never gotten, you know, an opportunity to be an impact player on the team or even a contributor. So we, we've got to fix that piece. 
Um, but definitely 10 steps in the right direction. The quarterback, the two bookend DNs, uh, and those explosive offensive players, they're going to make all the indifference in the world. I still feel good about next year being a great year for the Sooners. Of course, I wear crimson colored glasses, but y'all know I like to tell the truth, too. You know, I have a really good question I actually want to ask uh, about what you just said, but we're going to ask it on the preview show. Okay. So make sure that you guys tune in for the preview show. Um, myself and DMAC will be back at it. May have a special guest uh, for the <laughs> OU Kansas game this weekend at 11 a.m. It's uh, Central Standard Time. Throughout East, obviously, it's going to be at 12. Right. Or D-Max time. What? Nine o'clock. You're watching football. I love it. You laughing. I love it. (laughs) There you go. Um, But guys, hey, we're part of Blue Wire podcast now. So go make sure that you check them out. All the podcasts up there. Going to have some ads on the shows here pretty soon. So kind of bear with that. Uh, Make sure you go follow the Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW Instagram at the Barry and Mac show, which has been on the uptick here lately. It's good to see. Uh, Damien's at the Mackies too. Um, underscore space mon maybe changing that pretty soon uh, with some announcements that will be coming down the line. So be looking for that. Uh, but exciting stuff, guys. Uh, we love bringing you this content. We got together today and said, hey, new uniforms, rumors, DJ, all this stuff. Let's get together. Let's have a quick pod, give you guys something to step to and then get out of here. DMAC, good stuff, man. Appreciate you guys. Continue to follow the uh, Twitter page, man. I want to see that show get to the campaign to a thousand. I, I, I love this Twitter. I'm an old guy in Twitter. I feel like I'm a kid in candy store. Let's go. Guys, go leave the rating and review. Go follow the pages, and we will see you soon.